Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. We have a special episode today with Elevar's VP of Engineering, Thomas Slade, who we were just joking. I feel like Thomas is an expert podcaster just because the amount of podcasts he listens to. However, I was seeing some butterflies uh, ahead. Thomas, welcome. Thanks for having me. So today we are going to talk about a question that we receive a lot. And we started getting this a lot back in late 2020 when Google released their server-side Google Tag Manager account, where the initial thought was, okay, great, now we can move all of our tracking from the browser to the server-side container, which will increase our site speed. And that hasn't happened to date. So that is ultimately the question we are going to answer for you today. Why can't all tracking move from quote-unquote hard-coded pixels and scripts in the theme or even through GTM's web container to a server-side tracking to ultimately improve site speed? So that is a mouthful. Before we get into answering that question, Thomas, can you just help break down some general definitions for everyone listening that might not live in the weeds like we do on a daily basis? Let's start with quote-unquote client-side versus server-side tracking, just a general definition on both. Yeah, sure. To basically define client-side tracking, we need to take a step back in time to you know, <laughs> the 90s and the internet and how... Web 1. Um, web 1.0. <laughs> and, and what information is actually sent when you request an image from a server. That's how a lot of client-side tracking is handled, is actually it's just sending requests for an image and putting a ton of information um, in that request and sending it to a server. So if we go back to that time, servers, when they're getting that image request, they have a ton of information that's sent over the line. For instance, they have the browser that's requesting the image, the IP address of the user, they have all of the query parameters that were included in the request, if there are any, and that's typically what people use to send data. Like UTMs, UTM source, medium, campaign, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of cookie information as well. Um, so there's a lot of exposure there. And some of the original, um, f forget who the, who the developer was I was listening to, who said that that was one of the main flaws of the actual, um, you know, the basic functionality of the internet is that requesting an image gave so many people access to your information or access to your identity when, when making a simple request for an image. We kind of start there. Um, the way that a lot of this client-side tracking is done is there's some on-site JavaScript, um, or it could be, could be third-party JavaScript that's calling specific functions that then either queue up uh, these different, we'll call them pixel hits, um, that are going to happen client-side and then sends them out. Um, and obviously, you're not going to see an image or anything like that. The whole point is you're you're sending it to just kind of an endpoint that just serves a really, really small image or a small JavaScript file or something like that. So anyways, that, that's kind of the base, uh, the base way that it works. So with that comes a lot of JavaScript on the site, typically. Usually it's minified and, and unreadable, but there's usually a, a condensed API that the developers or GTM clients will know how to interact with to be able to send these hits to the different channels. I'm a brand. I need to install 
uh, Snapchat conversion tracking or Snapchat. Snapchat's just basic tracking. They give me a piece of JavaScript and say, hey, copy and paste this below the opening head uh, head tag. And then at that point, once it's live, then the Snapchat script, not specifically Snapchat, but in general, in theory, it's going through grabbing all of that data just reference. So the request headers, the browser, the IP address, et cetera, and then sends that data back to Snapchat or the, the endpoint. It's more sending the custom data and then the request headers are automatically getting added and the cookies are automatically getting added um, yeah. with the request. So that's a fundamental piece of how that works that makes the rest of this conversation difficult with how to, to migrate to server side. But yeah, essentially, that's that's what's happening. Because that total package is the quote unquote unique fingerprinting that the particular destination might be using to attribute back to a particular user or whatever else they might use it for. Yep. So we can't spoof our our IP address uh, with an image request. We can't. You can't do things like that. So it's it, you can't really send things on behalf of someone to one of these simple yep. uh, channels. It's probably getting too much into the weeds on it, but uh. now you're good. We're gonna we're gonna lift it up. So that that makes sense. Client side tracking. Now compare that to server side. What is how do you define server side tracking? I would say it's just how it sounds. It's a server to server hit as opposed to a client to server hit. So it would just be that a server at some point needs to send data to a channel, and we'll just send the data. It's basically how simple it is. And it's the difference between client side and server side outside of one being JavaScript that runs on the site and then server side, you don't need that. Is it the explicit versus implicit data? So we talk Facebook conversion API with Shopify. There is order data, customer data, et cetera, but you are defining what data is actually being sent to Facebook versus the quote unquote pixel or script that is grabbing everything possible and sending it. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. So you're losing all that context that comes with a request from the browser. So you're losing the headers and all the other things that these different channels use to fingerprint users. So that has to be kind of manually constructed um, to be able to actually define what a session is or, or something like that. Yeah. So now let's transition. That's a good definition between client side versus server side that we might reference throughout this episode. Now we're going to Fast forward from the 90s into 2020, when, again, Google Tag Manager rolled out their server-side container type, which obviously at Elevar, we were very quick to jump on and implement and build solutions for our customers. And at that point, the thought would get questions on our webinars and we were going through just teaching people how it works. It was the, okay, great, now can I move all of my tracking from my theme to the server-side container? And that hasn't happened. That really hasn't come to fruition. That's 10% of the way there, if not less. Can you explain a little bit about why that isn't the reality without getting into the, the nitty gritty of different APIs and what's available or not yet? But just in general, why, why are we still at that less than 10%? I would say that the main thing is just the lack of adoption. So you have to remember that a lot of these channels have been using these same kind of like endpoints, you know, the, these image endpoints we talked about before, and they've been using... And a channel equals Facebook or TikTok or Google Ads, etc. Okay. Yeah. So they, they've been using that in their JavaScript, you know, libraries for years. And now all of a sudden, the industry is coming to them and saying, hey, we want to have like proper to server to server, um, you know, API calls, and we want to 
know when things are successfully digested and whatnot. And that is just a lot, a lot of complexity. So it's really about the ease of implementation for a lot of these channels on if they want to support that because it really turns their entire API ecosystem upside down because now not only are they managing their pixel, but now they often have to manage this other really high volume data pipeline for hits that get sent over. Right. So that's the um, Facebook and I have my pixel uh, that all of my advertisers need to implement. But now I'm noticing that our quote unquote signal, we're only getting 80% of events, potential events. So we are implementing this other way, this conversion API to send us data. And I, I can't even trillions of hits. I don't know how much data that they'd have to process, but essentially they need, need to build this other system to ingest this data so you can send data through the conversion API and then have to manage the downstream within their attribution reporting, et cetera. So that just to summarize, that is in your opinion, one of the biggest roadblocks to this, again, we're, we're less than 10% of being able to move all tracking to server side because many of these channels just can't handle that type of integration yet. Yep. Okay. Why do marketing channels, why do they want to maintain their on-site script? So again, the copy and paste the script or pixel into your theme versus, hey, now implement through the conversion API. What are What are some of the benefits and reasons why you think that channels are still prioritizing the pixel integration or the on-site script integration? I think it's it's cheaper for them to do that, obviously. Uh, you know, building out more things is is going to be harder. But also, a lot of the original client-side integrations, you know, the pixels, they're actually sending a lot of data that even the API won't document. So typically, you're going to see a lot more data going across the line with their pixels and their their. JavaScript that's that's on the site um, sending than you would with with their server to server integration. The other part too is the headers. Define what a header. Mo- most probably don't know what headers are, other than maybe the head that's on their shoulders. <laughs> Define what are what's a header. So a header is basically a piece of information that comes with a request, and a request is a simple page load event or a page view or an image request. So any anytime the browser is requesting any asset at all. There are headers getting sent, and the server has the ability to pick apart those headers. The headers tell the server what's the IP address of the request. So what what's the user's IP? What's the browser they're using? This is that implicit data that comes with a pixel that doesn't come with a, a typical conversion API integration. Yeah, unless it's explicitly sent. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of complexity there. Um, the other part, I think, is that smaller merchants it's not probably going to be worth worth them moving to server side integrations just given the cost and complexity of management and the the other part too is these different channels the tiktoks the facebooks they already have data pipelines that are processing all these pixel hits and they're not doing it in real time they're post processing everything so imagine that you have a stream of trillions of hits coming through and if you don't process one right now, it's not the end of the world. You can wait five minutes or an hour or whatever it is. And then imagine you're moving to a world where you have an API and you have to give a response to tell you know, that you receive the event and the server-side integration. At that point, you, you need a lot more infrastructure to handle it because you're doing real-time processing and kind of validation that typically was never done uh, for, for any of the 
on-site JavaScript that would send pixel hits. That's a good one. So just to restate that one, because I think it's a really interesting reason why we're not seeing more channels roll this out as fast as Facebook did. So the pixel, you send as much data as you want. There's no need for a response back like, hey, we got it or no, we, 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 there's errors or whatever it might be. So that's why most listening probably have Facebook and Facebook Business Manager. In many cases in history, you wouldn't see real time up to the minute or up to the second events coming from the pixel in your business manager. You would see a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute delay, sometimes longer. But that was because Facebook didn't need to process them in real time and show you. They, based on their total volume, Google Analytics is another one where Black Friday, you always see, we get tons of emails like, hey, is GA broken? We don't have any data from the last 12 hours. They're inundated with their own data spike. So there is that just inherent delay versus the APIs integration. You have, they would have to build and process those in real time because the server needs to give a response back. So if we use the, like our own Elevar integration with Facebook or TikTok, et cetera, Elevar sends the event. And Elevar is waiting for a response back from TikTok or Facebook saying yes, no, or there are errors or warnings. So it's actually a bigger development hindrance or uh, however you want to describe it. But there's more pressure on the engineering team to actually handle that same, potentially same volume as a pixel, but they need to handle and process those requests in real time. Yep. In the real time aspect too, it's not just, it's not like they're doing everything in real time. You know, they're processing it, but they're not probably doing session reconciliation and stitching and things like that. That's probably even another um, piece that gets layered on later on. Yeah. So now let's transition into the current landscape of the different marketing APIs that are available and what we've researched and seen. We see the companies that are ready to accept this new stream of data, and then we come across many that are not can you just describe the different types of APIs and maybe the roadblocks that some of these channels are facing as they start to think about when they're going to roll it out? Because everyone is ultimately, in your opinion, everyone will need to have this integration at some point, correct? Every channel will need to have their own quote-unquote conversion API to accept event data, conversion data, et cetera? Ideally. Okay. Yeah, so just talk through the different, what what's the current landscape today uh, based on what you're seeing? It really comes down to that most of these different channels, you know, Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat, they've always had an ad management API. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll call like their REST API, but it's really just an API where, where different apps and things can talk to the different channels and tell them like either optimize their campaigns or create campaigns or delete them or just do all this around, uh, around their actual ad management. And those APIs typically come with pretty rigorous authorization flows and rate limits. So the idea there is, how can we manage you know, the Facebook API for on behalf of a merchant? You need to have a way to, for them to be able to grant access. So that's where like an app ecosystem comes into play. I'm a brand. I have a website. I want to implement this new conversion API for this channel. But... I don't have an in-house development team to build a custom integration, so I'm going to use a service like Elevar or Native Shopify app or something else to implement the conversion tracking for me. And this is where the authorization state, where you mentioned that the app, in this case, Elevar or Shopify or others, are they're able to deploy that conversion tracking without me, the merchant, having to go through and authenticate X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah, that that's one use case. I was more referring to like something that was managing campaigns, like an app that okay. that manages okay. campaigns. Maybe it's yeah. like doing machine learning or something like that. Um, but but the typical way is that you have an authorization flow, and then you have uh, the rate limit, and a rate limit is just a way of saying you can only send a certain amount of events per minute, per hour, whatever whatever they decide. And so what happens in that scenario is obviously throughput is the biggest concern. How are we going to have like a similar pixel where we can just send data and not have to care if it's on, you know, if there's if it's Black Friday and there's there's thousands of people on my site, do I need to worry about the rate limit? So typically, we've seen people of uh, some some channels uh, implement things in this manner, where their API is tied directly to their ad management API. Got it. And then that comes with these really tight restrictions, and then that means that all that complexity has to fall on the implementer. But the the problem, obviously, with that is why would they not want to receive more data? Because you would think it would it would hurt their um, yeah their ability to attribute orders and conversions, um, and then. Again, that that's just kind of one one of the scenarios we're we're seeing. Uh, TikTok kind of had a similar similar thing in the beginning, and then they've since changed. They have an existing API for managing campaigns and doing whatever advertising related, and then they're essentially bolting on like, okay, great, you can send your conversion API events to the same API, but you're going to have rate limiting, throttling, whatever else. You're going to hit these constraints that would almost be impossible to hit from managing ads, but is almost inevitable to hit when you're sending quote-unquote pixel-like data just because of the volume. And you're, you were saying, even in our experience, we saw that was initially how TikTok rolled their initial version of the of their quote-unquote events API integration. Mm-hmm. They bolted it on, and then they recently broke that out separately, and it's more similar to Facebook. Is that right? Yeah. So you can think about the pixel API as like a free-for-all. So you can just send tons of data. You don't have to worry about it. And then they handle like everything, all the scaling and everything is handled by the, behind the scenes. Whereas the, the REST API for campaign management and you know, user management is going to be rate limited and it's going to be very strict with what it allows you to do in a certain amount of time. Um, and that's where the rate limit comes in. So yeah, what we've seen a lot of the channels doing now is adopting more of a hybrid approach. So they're taking their REST API and they're segmenting a piece of it out and saying, okay, this is just, you know, our events API. So we know you're not going to be deleting ads or creating campaigns or doing anything like that. And we're going to allow you to send as much data as you want, you know, within reason. Yeah. It's at least a lot higher. And that API will do some loose validation and essentially will, you know, allow you to send the same amount of data you would send um, for your pixel. And then the other part that we're seeing too is with these conversion event APIs, these channels are realizing you know, that they want to basically collect as much data as possible. So they're also allowing integration with their Pixel API. And that's what they call deduplication. But the idea there is you can send events both ways. So you can send them server to server and you can send them in the Pixel for the same event and give it a unique identifier. And then that allows the channel to deduplicate it and reconcile it later on to, to basically choose which one it would process. That's to get the brand from 80% tracking to 100% through a combination of their pixel and server-side events because we know that the pixel is going to be impacted from ad blockers, GDPR, consent management, et cetera. All right, so we've, we've gone through and the 
stepping or the stages of the history of client side versus server side, talk through what our channel is doing today. Why is it, why is it easier just to manage a pixel versus a server side API, the landscape of their different types of APIs and how they're essentially having to build and adapt as they go along, like the TikTok example. What, in your opinion, what are some of the other undocumented benefits of client-side tracking? Again, we talked a little about fingerprinting earlier. You know, and what we know today with everything that's happening in the world of tracking, privacy, et cetera, is, is there still a significant benefit to client-side tracking and keeping, every, keeping the quote-unquote pixel running on the site? What, are your, what do you think? From what I've seen, most of the APIs, they don't accept as much data as the pixel implementation will. I don't know if that's intentional. I mean, it's intentional, but I don't know if it's necessarily a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes back to fingerprinting as well, you know, h- how they're handling that um, within, within the client-side tracking. There's things like that. There's also there's browser restrictions that are coming up as well um, that, that could potentially hinder some of this fingerprinting and and things like that but um the like iOS 15 rollouts that were either redacting your IP or just removing the IP and the quote unquote hide my email feature things like that do you feel like those are the type of changes that are happening that almost make the previous or, or historical benefits of client side tracking where you get this get you get the IP address and other request headers do you feel like those those industry changes are making Again, the benefits of client-side tracking less and less fruitful. What I feel like the restrictions, the route that we're seeing the restrictions go, are they're they're enforcing them at the job, like basically on-site JavaScript level. So the ability to get the entire user agents, which is you know telling it specific information about the operating system you're on, the browser you're on, the there's ability to get like screen width and height. The fingerprinting has a lot to do with that. It's really important for them to know the device, the IP, because obviously there's multiple family members in a home. There's potential for that. So, so the idea there is you know, all these devices, they they want to have basically a, a way to, to build up that identity. It seems if you were to ask the Facebooks, TikToks, et cetera, they, without putting words in their mouth, but it seems... It's still worth it today since they can still collect some of that data for a large percentage of users versus the alternative, which is to shut off the pixel and go all conversion API server to server where they won't get the device screen and user agent string and whatever else that may come with that to help with their own fingerprinting reconciliation. Do you, does that sound right? Yeah, I think Google's probably had the, we, we probably had the worst experience with their measurement protocol because of the lack of documentation. But we can see how they're using their own measurement protocol you know, within the browser, and they're sending a ton more data than they basically document you can send. Yeah. So it, it does feel like potentially going to put the onus on fingerprinting and like what, what a session is on the merchant mm-hmm. or on, you know, on basically the, the thing that's sending the server-to-server event yeah. as opposed to them handling it. Yeah, that could be its own entire episode uh, going into the depths of that. So to keep us on, on track, if there's still some benefit to the channel, and ultimately that should trickle down in some ways to the merchant to keep client-side tracking, if we were to go the complete opposite where we were in this magical world where you don't need any JavaScript running on site, everything's running server-to-server, can you just talk through what what are some of the site speed benefits that you could expect by eliminating 
dozens of these tracking scripts from the site? Yeah, definitely. So the main thing that I've seen is that a lot of these different pixel implementations have a lot of the same boilerplate code. And that code essentially might be shared across four or five different channels. So you're getting a bunch of like redundancy on, on your um, web page. So if some, someone's visiting your site, there might be five different versions of the same boilerplate code running. And um, obviously that's not good for anyone because it's the same code over and over and over. So that's definitely a um, headache that a, a lot of a lot of us deal with with site speed um, and using the different pixel implementations. Other than that, there's not there's not a ton I can think of. I mean, requesting an image, you know, a blank image is, yeah. is not not too big of a deal. It's more the logic that handles gathering the information to send that image. If a site currently, if their score, I'm not even going to say the word that everyone loves to use, but if they are currently a a twenty or thirty and they remove all JavaScript and all third-party pixels from their site, should they expect to go from a 30 to an 80? Is just removing everything going client-side, server-side, is it going to take them from a 30 to an 80? I think it depends on the amount of... It, it, it totally depends. It's it, it could be the amount of JavaScript on their current site. It could be the, you know, the on-site first-party JavaScript they're hosting as well. Um, that mm -hmm. could obviously be a problem as well. But a lot of JavaScript in the browser is not necessarily just about collecting channel data and sending pixel events, even though a lot of it is. Some of them also bundle in, you know, UI libraries. Um, if you think about like maybe a, a third or a channel that collects data but also displays like reviews, yeah, they're going to be dealing with the DOM and injecting reviews and putting forms on the page and all kinds of different things like that. So it's not it's not so much that like the pixel implementation is the worst and it's going to save you tons and tons of time. It's more of kind of having a holistic vision of what is all the JavaScript on my site and how is it being used. Okay, so that wasn't a no, but it wasn't a yes. So you can you can just remove GTM, remove all of your tracking from the site and do a before and after comparison of what your potential site speed benefit could be and... Uh, yeah, get your get get your score. Last couple of things here before we wrap it up. We we obviously hear a lot, uh, quote unquote, that GTM slows down my site, which in itself is nuanced because it's yes, GTM is a its own library that's loading on the site. However, it's also the highway to add a number of other trackers on the site, which essentially can stack up based on based on what we talked about today. What are what are some alternatives that brands can take today? If, knowing what we know that there are just some channels that they're not ready to accept server to server events and conversions. So they have to have their client side pixel running on site. So what are some alternatives besides just removing it completely and the brand removing that channel as a as a potential advertising source. Are there any any other options? I mean, they could go the route of direct integration if it's purely about removing GTM, which by that is just hard coding the script and the theme. And we know that's problematic too because then you, if you go back to hard coding everything, then five channels they're essentially calling the same data, potentially loading the same product data on the collection pages or product pages, which we know that causes bloat and uh, just overall page weight. Yeah, I mean, and there's tons of different optimization techniques, you know, for the different pixel implementations, and most of them are going to utilize some version of that. 
What would be an example of some of those optimizations? Like just delaying it, so sending it, don't don't load it on asynchronously loading things, just not not blocking, yeah, things like that. There there may be caching mechanisms that some of them utilize. So I don't think it's intentional for them to slow down the site or, you know, make the make the the lighthouse scores really bad. But you said that you said the word, <laughs> <laughs> the trigger, the trigger word. Okay, so to summarize, why why server side tracking? critical. It's not necessarily new in the last year, but certainly grown in importance over the last couple of years. The answer is because channels are continuing to see degradation in the amount of data they are getting from their pixel integrations. And that's because, again, in another episode will be your privacy, tracking restri- restrictions, growth and ad blockers, browsers blocking by default, etc. So they started to offer these server-side integrations. So instead of seeing a ROAS that used to be four or five, that drops to two, but it's based on incomplete data that could cause potentially brands to move, uh, either move spend off that platform or drop completely. But that could be a potentially bad decision if it's just because of an incomplete data set. So the server-side integrations have rolled out. However, the answer to the question that we started this with, why can't you move all client-side tracking to server-side tracking today, which also would, in theory, help improve your site speed and ultimately conversion rate, the answer simply comes down to channels just aren't technically ready to accept that data yet because they don't have the infrastructure to do it. Most don't. And two, there is still some of the magical fingerprinting that they're doing through their client-side tracker, which they can't do through server-side. And one could potentially assume if they don't have the technical infrastructure ready to to accept the just influx of server-side conversion API events, they may not have their fingerprinting for the server-side events only up to speed yet to help ultimately with their attribution and reporting. Did did I miss anything in the, uh, the answers? No, that that was spot on. Thomas, anything else you want to share? No, hopefully we'll see uh, more adoption uh, as the as the year progresses. Okay, so 34 minutes later, we got to the answers. Hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions, feedback at all on this episode or anything we spoke about, just uh, leave a comment or review or shoot us an email. All right, see you next time. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar, that's E-L-E-V-A-R, or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.